1: Here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville.
2: Oh, yes. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non token lovers of liberty. It is Monday, December 14th, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the applause. We love that. It's our final week of shows here for 2015. We're taking a holiday break starting next week, so this is it. This, uh, last week of shows, and we've got a good last week of shows for you as we look forward to 2016 and the possibility of five states legalizing marijuana. That's right. California, Nevada, Arizona, Massachusetts, and Maine. And over the next five days, I'm going to spend the Radical Rant each day talking about one of those states. So today we're going to dig into California. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act, the so-called Sean Parker Initiative, looks well on its way to making the ballot. There are other initiatives out there, and it's too soon to say that they won't make the ballot, but chances are pretty good for the Sean Parker one, just because it has A shit ton of money, which is what you need to be able to get on the ballot and pass in the state of California. Then uh, tomorrow we'll talk about Nevada. Uh, On uh, Wednesday, we'll get Arizona. Thursday, we'll get Massachusetts. Friday, we will get into Maine. And on Friday, our guest on the show will be Mason Tavert from the Marijuana Policy Project. They're behind four out of five of those states. All of them but California are initiatives that the MPP are bankrolling, and three of those four were initiatives that MPP wrote. So we'll talk to Mason about some of the peculiarities in some of those initiatives. That's coming up on Friday. Coming up today, though, of course, it's Monday, and that means it's time for our regular dose of cannabis science with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. He'll get the cannabis Q&A going right at 3.30 Pacific time, coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, he'll answer your live questions at 971-533-7111. That's our studio number, 971-533-7111. We're going to talk to Dr. Mitch about studies that show marijuana helps reduce obesity, helps treat epilepsy, might fight liver cancer, and work against dermatomyositis. Whatever the hell that is. Uh, plus, we'll talk about some of the reefer madness out there about skunk weed that's being uh, promoted out there in some of the media. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have a chance to do some drug war data mining. And today, we're taking a look at drug testing rates among employers in the medical marijuana states versus the recreational marijuana states. And uh, some very disturbing numbers coming out of the drug war data mines. We've also got Behind the Headlines coming up right after the news, uh, and in Behind the Headlines, we're going to do another – oh, no, I'm so sad about this – stupid stoner story that we've got to get to, uh, stupid prohibition story, I should say, because it's the prohibitions that's stupid, not the people who are violating them, but um, – You know, folks, it's still illegal uh, in a lot of places, and so you need to be a little smarter when it comes to how and where you're going to enjoy your marijuana. We'll talk about a terrible story coming out of – I think this was in New York, so uh, we'll get to that in our stupid prohibition stories. That comes right after our – Cannabis radio news headlines, courtesy of the Associated Press. And in the headlines today, we've got the possibility of a sixth state legalizing in 2016. We'll tell you which one. Michigan Supreme Court lets Grand Rapids Decrim stand. We've got another recall in Denver. Palm Beach, Florida is looking at Decrim. The Emerald Cup had a great weekend this weekend. And High Times is set to give its first ever Trailblazer Award this weekend or this week at the High Times. Business Summit will tell you who the honoree is. All that and more coming up on the Russ Belville Show, including Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. We'll take your calls at 971-533-7111. We'll talk about white folks, token in New York City, and other stories, plus your calls in Hour
1: 2. It's the
2: Russ Belville Show, live every weekday, right
1: now on
2: Cannabis Radio. This is the
1: Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
0: The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges.
3: People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change.
0: Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in.
4: I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this
3: message.
5: More flavor.
1: It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for
2: Monday, December 14th, 2015. Vermonters over age 21 would be able to legally grow and use marijuana starting in July 2016 and could start buying the drug for recreational use in stores and lounges a year later under a bill that Senator Jeanette White will introduce next month. Senate committees are expected to work on the legislation next month, though political leaders have made clear there's no guarantee legalization will pass in 2016. White's committee has been meeting throughout the summer and fall to discuss how to go about legalizing marijuana in Vermont. What White came up with is a 41-page bill she is sponsoring herself as committee members lacked consensus on the issue. No more than 84 stores would be permitted to sell up to one ounce to Vermonters and one-quarter ounce to out-of-staters. As many as 42 lounges would be permitted to sell up to one-quarter ounce for on-premise consumption, much like bars now serve alcohol. The Michigan Supreme Court has let stand an amendment to the Grand Rapids City Charter that decriminalizes marijuana. The amendment was approved by Grand Rapids voters in 2012. It makes possession of or sharing marijuana a civil infraction punishable by fines ranging from $25 to $100 with no jail time. It also makes marijuana cases a low police priority and forbids city law enforcement officials from referring marijuana cases to the Kent County Prosecutor's Office. That caught the attention of longtime Kent County Prosecutor William Forsyth. He challenged the amendment as an illegal restriction on his power to enforce state drug laws, which continue to make Marijuana possession a crime. He lost in Kent County Circuit Court and the Michigan Court of Appeals and then took his appeal to the Michigan Supreme Court, which refused to hear the case. Denver marijuana business Advanced Medical Alternatives is voluntarily recalling 27 cartridges of its THC infused vape pen oil because they contain potentially d- dangerous pesticides that cannot legally be used on cannabis in Colorado. The recall is Advanced Medical Alternatives' second in eight days and the 13th recall issued by the City of Denver's Department of Environmental Health in 13 weeks. Advanced Medical Alternatives isn't the only Colorado marijuana company to have been recalled multiple times. Edibles company Edipure has issued three voluntary recalls. Gaia's Garden, also an edibles maker, voluntarily recalled product twice. The Palm Beach County, Florida Commission is set to ease the penalty for carrying small amounts of marijuana within the county. A public hearing will be held Tuesday on an ordinance to change the penalty for possession of less than 20 grams of marijuana from a trip to jail to a $100 civil citation, similar to a traffic ticket. 20 grams is about three quarters of an ounce. Stiffer penalties would still apply to those caught dealing the drug or possessing large quantities. Between 2010 and 2014, police in Palm Beach County initiated 7,571 cases where the most serious offense was possession of less than 20 grams of marijuana, and about 90% resulted in a booking at the jail. Other communities have reduced the penalty for marijuana possession, including Miami-Dade County, West Palm Beach, and Broward County. The Emerald Cup, the celebration of cannabis culture now in its third year in Santa Rosa, California, wrapped up its two-day run at the Sonoma County Fairgrounds on Sunday with its biggest attendance ever, showcasing some of the best outdoor organic marijuana in the world and the industry the plant has spawned. The weekend event drew more than 21,000 people, according to organizer Tim Blake, compared to 13,000 last year and 7,000 in 2013. Senator Bernie Sanders, the independent from Vermont running for the Democratic nomination for president, will receive an award from marijuana activists Monday evening for his efforts to legalize the drug. The Democratic presidential candidate will be honored at the High Times Business Summit in Washington, D.C., with the group's first ever Trailblazer Award. Sanders, a self-described Democratic socialist, is backing legislation that would end the longtime federal prohibition on marijuana. The ending Federal Marijuana Prohibition Act introduced last month by Senator Sanders would remove barriers for the states that want to legalize recreational and medical marijuana without interference from the federal government. However, other states could still choose to prohibit pot. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, December 14th, 2015. I'm Russ Belleville. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, neweracpas.com, handle your cannabis business 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewErasCPAs.com. With years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewErasCPAs.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the National Wildlife Refuge for Marijuana Unicorns.
6: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world.
1: As a public service, the Russ Belleville Show reminds you that smoking marijuana does not make one stupid. However, some stupid people do smoke marijuana, and Prohibition is always waiting for another victim. Learn your lesson from today's Stupid Prohibition Stories.
2: With your Stupid Prohibition Stories, I'm old-timey 1920s radio reporter Freddie Farrock This just in from CBS News, New York man caught smoking pot in cop's parking spot. Clifton Park, New York. State police say a 22-year-old upstate New York man picked the wrong parking spot to smoke marijuana. Troopers say Ryan Law of Gansevoort, New York, was scheduled to attend a victim impact panel Tuesday at the town court in Clifton Park, an Albany suburb. The court is housed in the same building as the state police barracks. Police say Law parked his car in front of the barracks in a parking spot marked, Police Cars Only. A uniformed trooper unloading his patrol car nearby spotted Law and approached him to discuss his choice of parking spots. That's when the trooper smelled marijuana coming from Law's vehicle. Troops say they found about 30 grams of pot in the car. Law was ticketed for marijuana possession and ordered to appear at the same court next week. I'm Freddy Farrock with your stupid... Prohibition Story <laughs> Okay That's not too bright um, Mistake number one Smoking pot in your car It's just the wrong thing to do folks And look I'm not innocent in this re- regard <laughs> I've done it many a time It is the riskiest place on the planet to smoke pot. Your car. And even if you found some place that's off to the side somewhere where you can't be seen, like you're not dumb enough to actually park in a cop's parking spot, you're still filling up your car with the smell of pot smoke. And you're opening up the chance that you miss an ash or a seed or a fleck or a stem or something in your car that later ends up being used to bust you. If I could just, if I could get every toker on the planet to stop smoking pot in their cars, we would kill the arrest rate by about two thirds. That's just a guess, but I think we can kill about two thirds of the marijuana arrests if we just stop smoking in the cars. But young men do dumb things sometimes, even when pot's not involved. I, I have a good friend from high school, <laughs> Ricky, and that's his. Given legal name, Ricky. (laughs) Uh, It's on the birth certificate, I swear to God. And uh, Ricky, one time I remember, got busted for some sort of... Oh, yeah, it was like driving without a license or something. He had a suspended license. And so he had to go to court for that. And so he drove to court. That's right. He drove to court for his driving on a suspended license. And so he went to court, and the cop who was there for the court case you know, testified for whatever the case was and the case was over and Ricky goes back to his car. The cop who was just in court comes out of the courthouse and sees Ricky getting into his car and driving away. So the cop chases Ricky down a couple blocks down, pulls him over puts him in the back of the car, takes him back to court, brings him back in front of the judge who he had just left (laughs) I mean, the judge's docket wasn't even done yet, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she threw the book at him. I think he had a, he didn't have a license for a couple of years or something after that. But <laughs> and that's not even with any marijuana involved, folks. We got to be smarter <laughs> when we're dealing with the system and the man. So, number one, don't smoke pot in your car. Number two, don't smoke pot in your car when you're on your way to court. And number three don't smoke pot in your car on the way to court in the police parking spot I don't know how much clearer we can make this <laughs> again remember smoking marijuana does not make you stupid but some stupid people do smoke marijuana let's hope that uh, Ryan Law and what an ironic last name Law <laughs> let's hope that Ryan Law of Gansevoort New York has a good lawyer and that this doesn't impact his life Dramatically,
6: you know, there are times
2: where I've fallen off the wagon. Nobody would blame you if you did, Mr. President. With what you've had to go through in your two terms, we wouldn't blame you a bit if you rejoined the Choom gang from time to time. All right, folks, it's 420 in the mountain time zone. Happy 420 to my brother, Matt. Stay strong, little brother. Everything's going to be all right. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. MJBA, called by NBC News, the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details.
1: The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share.
3: arguing for the
2: end of adult marijuana prohibition is easy because we have facts science reason compassion evidence truth and logic on our side it is even easier when researchers catalog it all for us learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use arrests seizures rehabs drug tests and more in this edition of drug war data mining Welcome back, everyone. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at a survey released just today by the Society for Human Resources Management. And let me always start by saying how much I hate the term human resources. We used to be called personnel. You know, person was part of who we are. Now we're just resources. Anyway, uh, the Society for Human Resources has released a study, a survey actually, where they asked employers in the 19 states that have medical marijuana laws and the four states that have both medical and recreational marijuana laws what their workplace drug testing policies were all about. And unfortunately, this survey uncovers uh, an unintended consequence of marijuana legalization that might be harming medical marijuana patients. Uh, According to the survey in the legal marijuana states, 82% of employers say marijuana use at work is not permitted for any reason. Now, keep in mind when when they phrase that as marijuana use at work, they're not talking about people smoking joints while they're sitting at the desk, you know, uh, filing the TPS reports or whatever. They're talking about whether or not you would piss hot on a, on a piss test. That's all. Yeah, marijuana use by them just means that you use marijuana at any time and we might catch you on a pee test at the workplace, right? So 82% of the employers in the legal marijuana states, 4 out of 5, say that you can't be a pot smoker. But if you look at the medical only states, it's only 73%, 3 out of 4. So Did legalizing marijuana in Oregon, Alaska, Washington, and Colorado cause those employers to get stricter on marijuana use and thereby harm the employment rights of medical marijuana consumers? In the medical marijuana states, according to the survey, 22% of employers have exceptions for medical cannabis use in their drug policies. But in the legal states, only 11% of employers have such medical exceptions. So you're twice as likely you're half as likely, I should say to get a medical marijuana exception. If your state has passed recreational marijuana, at least according to this survey. Now, most of the respondents said their drug policies existed prior to legalization and haven't made any changes, but 29% of respondents in the recreational States and 16% in the medical States say they've modified their policies. So Three out of 10 employers in the recreational states changed their drug policy when legalization came about. 16% in the medical marijuana states changed their policy. And of the people or of the employers who have changed their policies, 37% have made their drug policies more restrictive. Wow. So if we've got, 29% 29% in the recreational state saying they modified their policies, 3 out of 10. And of those 3 out of 10 that changed their policies, 37% made them more restrictive. What we're working that at, what that works out to be is that legalization of marijuana caused 1 out of 10 employers to make their workplace drug policies more restrictive. 12% said they made their policies less restrictive. So passing legalization in a medical marijuana state meant it was three times more likely that the drug policy would get more restrictive than less restrictive. Now, as we look at uh, the the states and looking forward, 5% of the companies in states where only medical marijuana is legal said they plan to make their policies more restrictive in the next year. And another 5% said they plan to make them more accommodating. 69% 69% said they don't plan to change their policies at all. And when it comes to trying to get a job, don't think that just because marijuana is legal or you have a medical marijuana card that you're, going to, that you're free from discrimination. Now, the new states, the, the California, Massachusetts, uh, Maine, Arizona, and Nevada, and perhaps Vermont, some of those states do have some workplace protections. But in the medical marijuana states, thirty-two percent of the employers say they don't they will not hire marijuana users. That's right. In the medical marijuana states, almost a third of the employers won't hire medical marijuana users. And in the recreational states, it's thirty eight percent. That won't hire marijuana users. That's two out of five employers in legal marijuana States that will not hire you for enjoying your legal right to use marijuana. Now it does depend for some of them for 10% of the respondents in the medical States and 7% in the recreational States. They said it does depend on the position, right? So for some of these a minority of them, Maybe they're just testing you if you're going to be, you know, on the forklift or, you know, driving the company car. But if you're just answering phones, maybe not. This area, employment protection, the right to work for marijuana consumers, is the next big fight in the marijuana legalization arena and in the arena of drug users' civil rights in general. It's time that we begin this fight and... We can only win this fight by educating these employers that what they're doing doesn't work. It doesn't stop marijuana users from working for you. It just forces them to beat P-tests, which is quite easy if you know what you're doing. So not only does it not work, but it also discourages some of the best potential employees from even applying to work for you. Workplaces without P-testing have much higher levels of job satisfaction than places that P-test. It's counterproductive, it costs you money, and it does not work. And frankly, it's anti-American to deny employment for people who are just law-abiding citizens.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year.
0: MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today.
1: It's time for the Russ Bellville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Early Wine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat, or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. We're glad to
2: have the host of Burning Issues, the podcast here on CannabisRadio.com, joining us. He's also the chair of the normal board of directors. It's Dr. Mitch. How you doing, Dr. Mitch? Much better than last week. Yeah, glad to hear it. And, uh, well, I hope you had a good holiday otherwise.
4: Indeed. It was uh, unparalleled. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Uh, we've got the phone lines open at 971-533-7111. If you've got any questions on cannabis science, culture, history, or health, Dr. Mitch is here to answer the questions. But uh, I've got a few questions that we've built up from the past couple of weeks of marijuana studies that have been in the news. Let's start with this one on obesity, Dr. Mitch. Uh, according to the Washington Post, legalizing medical marijuana could help reduce obesity. How does that
4: work? It's wild because we've seen these correlational things for uh, pretty much ever since you and I started doing the podcast together here where, yeah, canvas users tend to weigh just a little less than folks who are non-users, despite the stereotype about the munchies. But now we have new data where, you know, places that have changed their medical marijuana laws are suddenly showing these small but statistically significant changes in levels of obesity in that, you know, 4 to 6% range. And, the mechanisms are kind of intriguing to guess, but one idea might be that folks with pain are being you know treated well and capable of exercising a little more, or just uh people are generally happier and less uh reliant on stuffing their faces in order to change their mood, so it's been intriguing, but this I feel like is stronger evidence than the simple correlational stuff we had in the past. It's time to randomly assign smoke to uh assign folks to smoke canvassers or see who ends up having.
2: <laughs> Well, I'll be glad to be one of those random assignees I've been uh, undertaking the task for the past 25 years now. So we'll see how that works out. I hate to think of how fat I'd be without pot, Dr. Mitch.
4: a sad thought, yes, I
2: All right. uh, Among other things that marijuana seems to be helping, a large-scale test on marijuana extracts and children with epilepsy. They, They talked about this on NPR, so it's definitely breaking through to the mainstream. Anything we didn't already know? Did they find some new stuff out here?
4: Pretty much just now we've got literally the biggest sample ever. So over 200 kids were involved in this study, and it's becoming clearly unconscionable to Withhold cbd for children with epilepsy anymore this is markedly better than a lot of the epilepsy drugs that were approved back in the day so i feel like this this is uh this has got to happen now there's 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 no ethical way to say that we can't have cbd for children with epilepsy
2: now were these studies this largest study uh was it using plant cbd or was it like Epidiolex, one of the the gdb pharma uh preparations
4: Oh, it's interesting because they they've got uh, a couple hundred of them here, and I thought they had to go with the with the synthetic with the you know with the prescribable. It wasn't actually plant extract. So the uh, clincher is I mean CBD is CBD. I, I don't feel like there's that opportunity for the entourage effect that we would like to see. But now some doctors are saying, look, if we had cannabidiol and THC, We might have a chance to to do even better. I feel like there's still a lot of resistance to that, as you might uh, guess. And, uh, you know, it's much better than those benzodiazepines or the barbiturates that are just so sedating and the kids are, you know, lethargic and and wrecked. And it's just it seems like this is the way to go.
2: Yeah, it, it always strikes me as the height of odd and, and unnecessary to worry about whether or not a kid's going to get some euphoria off of THC when we're loading them up on
4: Adderall and benzos. <laughs> exactly. And, and, I mean, literally the old barbiturates, like, the, you know, the potentially lethal, horrible ones from back in the day are used for these guys sometimes. And, it, you know, yeah, they don't seize, but they also don't walk around as much as they could. You know? So, no, this is, this is definitely a, a good uh, sign for progress. All
2: right. We have a story from uh, newsmedical.net about the liver's cannabinoid receptors could be targeted to combat liver cancer. So is this not actually targeting the cancer, but targeting the 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 receptor they're talking about?
4: This is, this is a little wild because the CB1 receptor actually needs to be blockaded in certain forms of basically uh, lipid, like sort of fat metabolism in the liver. And so it's it's not what we usually think of as, oh, you know, add some THC and everything's going to be fine. This is actually trying to shut those down. And we know that the drugs that shut down the CB1 receptor make people super depressed and even suicidal. So um, I'm apprehensive about making too much of this until we can find a way to sort of do it in a, an ethically undepressing sort of technique. But it really underlies the fact that, hey, liver cancer and the cannabinoid system are clearly connected and... Thank God for cannabis and cannabis research, or we never really would have even uh, identified this.
2: Mm. And that, of course, uh, leads me to a personal question. Uh, My brother, 45 years old, in the peak of health, uh, a weightlifter, eats organically, runs triathlons, just got diagnosed with colon cancer. They're going to have to remove a a softball-sized mass and a piece of his colon. And I'm wondering what you can tell me about any uh, research on colon cancer specifically in cannabis and what are the the the
4: prognosis on treating colon cancer it's very sensitive and depends on whether or not the mass has sort of reached outside the the colon itself and it's my dad had it who's you know twice your brother's age and the the mass hadn't reached all the way to the outside of the colon and now he's fine but if there is that chance of spreading, that's the thing that drives everybody bananas, of course. Now, obviously, you know, the, the chance to handle uh, the the hardcore surgery like that, he's going to need, you know, everything he can to make sure his immune function is best and he needs to give himself plenty of time and plenty of opportunities to relax and stay mellow in, in the recovery period. Um, but this is, you know, clearly too big to, like, just hope for, and I'm sure we'll all get nasty emails about this in just an extract. Like this is this is way too far along for anything other than a surgical intervention. Yeah,
2: yeah, and uh, we'll know more. He's going into a surger- surgery consult today, and uh, we should know more about that. They're gonna, they are going gonna—they did the scans, and they did not find any spread to the liver, which is fantastic news. I, I th- Absolutely. Yeah, I think they're also going to be taking a look at an, a lymph node while they're in there uh, just to determine whether or not there's a spread there. But uh, as far as, you know, when you hear your brother's got a softball-sized mass in his ass, the news I'm getting is at least the best you can hope
4: for. Yeah, I'm so sorry, man. It's really rough, and my my heart's out to him and to your whole family.
2: Yeah, yeah. We'll fight this. It'll be all right. And, uh, you know, there's got to be some reason why I've been, you know, one of the most educated people on this subject on the planet. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping I can help. Uh, Let's get to our final uh, question here uh, on – I don't even know what this is referring to, to tell you the truth, but dermatomyositis and a cannabinoid that can suppress – and now it's lost me because it's got a bunch of Greek letters and stuff going on. What, what's the sure,
4: <laughs> Basically, these are, are uh, certain components of uh, this dermatological problem. That's basically it's it's kind of harsh to look at, but it's skin and muscle that have had these oddball inflammations and growths on, them. it looks like a, a horrible burn sometimes. Mm. And what's odd is this is uh, agilemic acid. This is one of the Uh, synthetic cannabinoids that we don't hear about much, in part because it's not psychoactive and it doesn't really even mimic some of the ones we're accustomed to seeing, but it's got a a reasonable uh, set of research supporting it for neuropathic pain and other sort of inflammatory-related disorders and seems to really uh, have the potential to activate that CB2 receptor, and it's intriguing because this isn't your stereotypical um, autoimmune kind of problem. So it's, it's got the opportunity for, uh, your skin to really improve. And it looks like the, uh, the muscle tissue even to regenerate. But when, you know, we're in early stages, but it, uh, get it, you know, yet again shows that the cannabinoids, even the synthetic ones we've never heard of still have a a lot of intriguing, uh, anti-inflammatory properties. And, uh, it's wide open for their ability to, to treat all kinds of things in the therapeutic way.
2: Yeah. And it's, um, it makes you wonder also just how far behind we are. I mean, we've got some of the uh, uh, research on cannabis and, and cancer and some of these other uh, conditions dating back to the 70s. Uh, University of Virginia, I believe, was one of the places they found this out. And then the government shuts down that sort of research. I mean, uh, how far
4: behind are we? 40, 50 years now? I mean, I I think 40 years is not an outrageous estimate, and even, you know, the Israelis who, you know, tried to sidestep some of these problems have have not had the kind of funding the United States has had over those decades, and uh, I think we're going to discover, you know, Huh. 10 years down the line, but markedly too late for, for some folks, that uh, the cannabinoid system is central to a whole lot of biological functions and could have prevented a whole lot of disorders uh, across the years, and it, it kind of breaks my heart when I think of the, the folks who've lost in all that time.
2: Yeah, and it, it kind of, you know, if, if you're a student of history, it also kind of brings up how these days in America we're hearing a whole lot of of haterade and you know McCarthyesque kind of uh, rhetoric out there, and just stop to think that it was Harry J Anslinger saying the darkies would look at white women that has forestalled about forty years worth of marijuana medical research. <laughs> it really comes down to it being about hate and discrimination that has retarded the progress that we should have been making uh, up to this point
4: well and the, and the greed behind that was hey my my law enforcement buddies who have been enforcing alcohol prohibition are going to lose their jobs unless i come up with something else for everybody to fear yeah what a shame you know? and just so fear-based
2: now, folks, if you've got a question for Dr. Mitch Earlywine, you can always get it in privately and securely by emailing him at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. And uh, one last bit here, uh, just wrapping up from some of the news out there. Uh, Scientific American republished some of this stuff on the, uh, the hyperpotent skunk causing problems for the users. Uh, a quick uh, debunk of that for us, please.
4: It's intriguing because it, it's not randomly assigned, and they actually quote uh, some of my friends, including Meg Haney, who even a couple of years ago was less outspoken about the problems with this kind of work. I, I hope she's uh, become more brave in part because she's got a, a great bunch of funding already secured or something. But as she emphasizes, these aren't randomly assigned. We could have had a deviant brain function in all these folks before they ever even touched cannabis. So we want to kind of keep that in mind that this could have been something that actually drew people to the high-stunk, sort of high-THC strains, not necessarily uh, a, a product of it. That said, uh, at least with some of these psychotic symptoms and things like that, uh, the world needs a little more CBD, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that, even if I do get some nasty emails. Um, the bottom, bottom line is, uh, you know, decades of high-THC strains uh, getting bred and crossbred, uh, have made me want to emphasize that hey uh, a, a, little high, a little high will do it you don't have to have a whole of break uh, just to prove you love the funk
2: alright well thank you Dr. Mitch for your insight and your knowledge on these topics and uh, we'll be off for the next couple of weeks for the holiday breaks but uh, uh, we'll be back in January with more of our cannabis Q&A so Dr. Mitch happy holidays to you and we'll talk to you next year
4: Happy New Year man
2: All right, when we come back, we're going to take a look at the stoners against legalization in California. Coming up with reasons why you should keep prohibition. (laughs) Oh, they're reaching this time, folks.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. This is Radical
2: Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including
1: my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. The Russ Belleville Show providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009.
3: Website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orange Hill Development.com.
4: We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably. The most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate.
3: Radical Rant.
2: Well, folks, the continuing saga of stoners against legalization continues in the United States. And with five states possibly voting on marijuana legalization come this next November, the stoners against legalization is going to get very, very, very busy, very thick. Five different states where current pot smokers are going to find a way. They're going to find something in these initiatives that is so egregious, so offensive That they would rather remain criminals, they would rather subject fellow cannabis consumers to the possibility of losing their kids, losing their stuff, being arrested, being fined, put on probation, losing their job, losing their homes. Would rather that we all suffer that possibility, even if it's just as minor as a $100 decrim ticket, we'd rather stay with that than end prohibition then make marijuana legal, then establish pot shops that all adults can shop at, then to have our product labeled and tested uh, for potency and purity and free from contaminants, to finally put some sort of dent in the criminal trafficking of marijuana and enriching street gangs and Mexican cartels. They'd rather forego all that because they find some little thing some little molehill within the initiative that they'll blow up into a mountain so that we can continue prohibition another year or two or four. So today we're going to take a look at the California stoners against legalization who have taken to repeating a scare tactic that I heard first back in 2012. Back in 2012, Washington's I-502 stoners against legalization told me that a non-store ounce would be illegal. And the way they had justified that is because, well, you can only possess an ounce, right? But you can't home grow. It's illegal to home grow in Washington State. So if the cops caught you with an ounce in a baggie rather than in a sealed state-approved container, that ounce would be illegal and you'd be busted. And I told them time and time again, I-502 legalizes an ounce. It doesn't say it legalizes a store-bought ounce. It legalizes an ounce. But they assured me, nope, if we pass I-502, cops will just bust people because they don't have it in the proper bag. Folks, that turned out to be absolutely false. Nobody in Washington state has been, bought, has been uh, busted for possession of a non-store ounce. So. Fast forward now to 2015, as we're looking at 2016, the California Adult Use of Marijuana Act, or what some people know as the Sean Parker Initiative, is getting attacked from the cannabis community, from that fringe stoners against legalization edge. And my Facebook lights up because I got tagged in this one from a longtime California marijuana activist named Steve Cubby. And this is his post. He writes... The lie being used to sell the Parker Initiative. According to Russ Belville and other supporters, the point of the Sean Parker Initiative is that by legalizing just one ounce, cops will no longer have any probable cause, based on odor, for searching your car. This is absolutely False. Under the Parker Initiative, the presence of an open container of weed is a criminal offense. So cops will know that most people keep their weed in baggies or personal containers, none of which will be legal under Parker. It is an outright lie to tell anyone that marijuana arrests will go down when Parker specifically creates a brand new crime of not having your weed sealed in a state-approved container. You could be arrested even if you are not driving and are only a passenger! Well, (laughs) look, I I respect Steve Cubby, what he's been through, his history, his dedication to activism. But in this and other posts, he is as gravely mistaken as those stoners against legalization from Washington 2012 who also told me transporting a non-store ounce would be a crime. First of all, as to his point, it is an outright lie to tell anyone marijuana arrests will go down. Arrests in all the states that have legalized marijuana have gone down and not just the less than an ounce bus in Colorado and Washington and not just the less than six plant bus in Colorado. All marijuana arrests have gone down in Washington, where they have no home grow from the Drug Policy Alliance report, quote, all categories of marijuana law violations are down 63%, and marijuana-related convictions are down 81% end quote. In other words, two out of three people who would have been busted before didn't get charged, and four out of five people who would have been convicted before didn't get convicted. In Colorado, quote, from the Drug Policy Alliance, quote, the total number of charges filed in court for marijuana possession, distribution, and cultivation in Colorado fell 80.1%, end quote. That's right. Because of legalizing just one ounce and just six plants, four out of five people who would have been charged for any marijuana crime in Colorado didn't get charged. Even in Washington, With no home grow and that hideous per se DUID provision, marijuana arrests went down and DUIDs didn't replace them. California's adult use of marijuana act legalizes marijuana in a very similar way to the currently legal States and even contains some provisions that improve on legalization like allowing pot lounges. So it's reasonable to believe their arrests will decline after legalization too. Now, uh, the other point was uh, cops will no longer have probable cause based on odor for searching your car. My contention that the probable cause is based on odor is going away. Isn't just the observation of reality in the four legal states where they've had to retire pot sniffing canines. Why would you have to retire a pot sniffing canine if the odor of marijuana was still a probable cause? but also in the actual text of the adult use of marijuana act section Eleven Three Sixty Two Point One, paragraph C marijuana and marijuana products involved in any way with conduct deemed lawful by this section are not contraband nor subject to seizure and no conduct deemed lawful by this section shall constitute the basis for detention, search or arrest. Now conduct deemed lawful in this section, but what about that open container that he's complaining about? Now that, Indeed is illegal. Section eleven three hundred sixty two dot three paragraph A Nothing in section eleven three hundred sixty two dot one, the one that says there's no probable cause and all, shall be construed to permit any person to possess an open container or open package of marijuana or marijuana products while driving, operating, or riding in the passenger seat or compartment of a motor vehicle, boat, vessel, aircraft, or other vehicle used for transportation. Section 11362.4, paragraph B, a person who engages in the conduct described in paragraphs 2 through 4, which is the paragraph above, shall be guilty of an infraction punishable by no more than a $250 fine.
4: Hmm.
2: Well, maybe that's the language Cubby's using to claim there will be more arrests after legalization as cops bust adult stoners riding in the passenger seat with less than an ounce of weed in a Ziploc baggie rather than the state approved container. Maybe maybe that's where it comes from. Now, never mind. How do we end up with more arrests if the punishment's an infraction where you can't arrest somebody and it's just a $250 fine? Remember, Cubby said, it creates a brand new crime of not having your weed sealed in a state-approved container. You could be arrested, even if you're not driving and are only a passenger. But the punishment here is an infraction punishable by no more than a $250 fine. All right, so it can't possibly be more arrests. Now, maybe open container tickets. But let's focus a moment on that state-approved container part and ask, why does the section say both open container and open package. Well, there's plenty of language in the act that says how marijuana has to be packaged, warning labels, child proof containers, and so on. Maybe that's where you get the idea that open container and open package can only be those purchased at the state licensed weed store. Except in the section on commercial definitions, package means any container or receptacle used for holding marijuana or marijuana products. Any container. Now, the marijuana and marijuana products, Is that wait? That, could that be just commercial marijuana and marijuana products? No, because this section also says that marijuana means all parts of the plant cannabis sativa, whether growing or not, the seeds, the resin, every compound, blah, blah, blah. All parts. It doesn't say only the parts that were grown at commercial places or that are at commercial places. It's all marijuana. So any container that holds marijuana can't be limited to just the containers that hold state marijuana because it's lawful for us to cultivate and possess our own marijuana. So consider that it's going to be lawful to transport or give away to persons 21 years of age or older without any compensation whatsoever, not more than 28.5 grams of marijuana. I can transport and give away marijuana up to an ounce. It's also lawful for me to cultivate marijuana at home and possess the results of the harvest. So if I lawfully grow some weed and lawfully give away less than an ounce to an adult friend who's lawfully allowed to possess it, he's also lawfully allowed to transport it. How does my friend lawfully transport his gift home other than walking? If a sealed marijuana package from the store is the only lawful closed container, go further, take home, grow out of it. I go to the marijuana store and I buy an ounce. It's got a lawful sealed container. I take it home. I open it up. I share half with my friend, which I'm lawfully allowed to do. How does my friend get it home? He's lawfully allowed to transport it. Clearly, the point of this open container law is to bust people who are toking and driving. End of story. And there are eight things listed in this law that you cannot do. Eight paragraphs. Paragraph seven is you can't toke and drive. Paragraph eight is you can't toke in a car as a passenger. And there's the other six. You know, you can't. It's it's still illegal to uh, uh, have it around schools, to give to minors and so on. Right. And paragraph four is the illegal open container that you get a $250 ticket for. But the part that has the punishments. Okay, so there's a part that has what's illegal, eight different things. But the punishments that go with them only list the first six. There's only punishments for paragraph one through six. No punishment for toking and driving. No punishment for toking in a car as a passenger. So they give you the $250 fine because you've got the weed out of its package the open container. Now, if this is really problematic for you, the solution is don't token your car and keep your weed in a sealed container, preferably in the trunk. It's hard to fathom why that's an unacceptable compromise to ending marijuana prohibition unless you're fighting for the right to token drive. Now, don't believe the scares that marijuana legalization is somehow worse than continuing prohibition. That's been proven wrong in four out of four states so far. No marijuana legalization initiative is perfect. Every marijuana legalization law will have to be adjusted and tweaked. Here in the Pacific Northwest, we're fighting for pot lounges that all the other legal states look like they're going to get. So there's problems everywhere, but you do not hand a victory to the cops, the rehabs, the drug testers, and the prisons that want to keep us criminal. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time. Take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville show. The Russ Bellville show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalruss.com. You take a seed,
4: you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You
5: take a seed, you plant it,
1: Ah, good
2: day, toppers and Tokets and non-toting lovers of liberty. It's Monday. It's the 14th of December. It's 2015, and we're ticking down our last five shows of 2015. What a hell of a year it's been. I've uh, I've done a hundred days on the road. Uh, 60,000 air miles, I think it was. I'll have to look it up. So all this week, we're going to be covering the marijuana legalization initiatives. And uh, so California was today. We got uh, Nevada tomorrow, Arizona Wednesday, Massachusetts Thursday, and Maine on Friday. And then coming around the top of the year, when we get into 2016, we'll come back and I'll have some analysis of the new Vermont bill that we just learned about today. And join us tomorrow. On the show, in our first hour, uh, in our activist agenda, we've got Fran Janik joining us, a.k.a. MediGro Vermont from our chat room. And uh, he's been keeping an eye on all the developments up there in Vermont, and we will uh, learn more about this potential legalization. And my favorite part, got to say it, is uh, pot lounges. It it provides for the possibility of some 40-odd pot, 42, I think it is, 42 pot lounges in the state of Vermont. And this follows the trend that every other legal state is following. Are you listening, Olympia? Are you listening, Salem? (laughs) Alaska has already gone ahead and said, yeah, we're going to have on-site consumption lounges, pot lounges. The California Initiative. uh, And again, when I say California Initiative or Arizona Initiative, I know some people are going to be upset because there are other initiatives in those states still going. You still got the Arizonans for mindful regulation you still got in California, God, like 10 other initiatives, but most prominently, uh, MCLR and CCHI. Right. Um, but show me the money guys. You got to show me the money I've got. I'm stretched thin as it is with my time. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to analyze the ones that have money and signatures first. And then as I see progress on the others, I'll be glad to analyze them too. So, That's the disclaimer. But anyway, the California initiative, the Maine, Massachusetts, the Arizona, the Nevada, and now the Vermont bill all have some recognition of the possibility of pot lounges. The Vermont one and the Maine one come right out and explicitly say, oh, yeah, there are going to be pot lounges. They will exist. The other states, the Nevada, I think, I think the Arizona one is like after twenty twenty they might, you know, they, they have the authority to license pot lounges. The Nevada, the Massachusetts are, oh, the Massachusetts one is if the people in a city or township uh, put an initiative together and vote for it, then there can be pot shops in that place. Um, the Nevada one, I think, is the state might allow it. Uh, the California is. The state is enabled to, allowed to put it together, right? All of them, though. So for sure, Alaska, Vermont, and Maine are going to have pot lounges. The rest of them will likely have pot lounges. Colorado, the the folks in Denver, Mason Tvert and Brian Vicente and those guys, they're all working with the Denver City Council to have some sort of way to have pot lounges. So here in Oregon and Washington, we may find ourselves in the Pacific Northwest with all our tourist bounty, the coast, Portland, Seattle, the Cascade mountain ranges, the skiing, the forests, the beaches, <laughs> tourist paradise. Can you? I, oh. And to not be a place that's going to allow pot lounges? Now, private property owners have the right to be able to allow it. So, some of them beach rental condos and 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 uh, beach houses that you can rent on the Oregon coast, the Washington coast. Some of their owners now are advertising that they're four hundred and twenty friendly. They want the tourist dollars coming in. So legislators in Salem and Olympia better start recognizing the handwriting on the wall. And the, the Senator White in Vermont, who defended this in her bill, because you know some of these vermont legislature oh my god i don't know uh pot lounges my goodness people will drive there and uh." you know not at all you know ignoring the irony that we have no problem with people driving to bars to get drunk and we trust them to go home we don't have mandatory breathalyzer valet parking you want to you you one of these anti-pot people and you're really concerned about stone driving i'll believe you When you pressure a bill, when you lobby for a bill to require mandatory breathalyzer valet parking for any lounge or restaurant serving alcohol over X number of size, you go to some of these places with parking lots full of cars, people at the bars, and you know not all of them brought a designated driver, right? Anyway, so when the uh, Vermonters got all upset that, oh my God, there'll be pot lounges and people driving to them. Senator White said, look, if we don't give them a place to smoke, the tourists who come in to ski or, you know, visit Vermont, they'll, they'll hide it in their hotel rooms. They'll sneak off into the parking lots. They'll smoke it in their cars. They'll hide in the back alleys of the downtown. You can't legislate or recognize people's right to do something and then provide no way for them to exercise that right. Didn't we learn that from poll taxes and Jim Crow? Hey, we got to take a break. We're back after this.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
0: The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges.
3: People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change.
0: Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in.
4: I'm Bernie
3: Sanders, and I approve this message.
1: Warning, It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show.
5: more
2: flavor welcome back everybody 12 after the hour here at Rolla J studios in wet Portland Oregon I don't know if you've been watching the weather channel and you know what's going on here in the Pacific Northwest but we're suffering our monsoon season here it's just wet 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 And so it's wet, and we got a lot of leaves and and pine needles and sticks and stuff, and they they clog up the the gutters. And the next thing you know, you got these lakes out there on the corners of different streets, right? And I don't drive a car. I'm all public transportation and uh, walking, right? So you got to be careful you're walking. You might walk somewhere and get splashed. Oh, my God. I was walking Roscoe the other day, my uh, beloved Jack Russell terrorist. You know, these Jack Russell terrorists, they're little lowrider dogs, right? (laughs) <laughs> and we got to one place where you had to swim <laughs> Just It's like, God damn That's a lot of rain We had eight inches in one night, I think it was That's what she said But No, um, that's that's stoner Jesus' territory I better stay away from that Speaking of, stoner Jesus will be off tonight So, uh, sorry folks, no stoner Jesus tonight I do, I do not know why, I think maybe it's just his holiday break uh, Whatever uh, getting ready for his birthday, perhaps, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. Anyway, um, we were talking about the stoners against legalization as part of the rant. And it's, it's interesting to me how some people can just go out of their way to find something. And, and, and part of it to me, it reminds me of the paranoid conspiracy thinking type people, right? Where, where like it can't be that JFK was shot by a single assassin because how that's ridiculous it was the CIA whatever you know people will come up with all sorts of paranoid conspiratorial thinking and I, and and again a disclaimer I'm not claiming I know what happened at the Kennedy assassination I just brought that up as a generic thing right moon landing whatever you want to fill in right 9 eleven whatever right whether they're right or wrong there are some people that come up with you know, these complex conspiratorial machinations, right? One of them that I heard recently was, uh, and this was in Mickey Martin's piece, I I think it was. Mickey Martin wrote a 5,000-word piece telling Sean Parker to fuck off, right, in his style. Uh, But he wrote a 5,000-word piece complaining about how long the initiative was. (laughs) I thought that was fun. But um, also complaining... Uh, That it was bullshit legalization and uh, the reasoning that he had in one case had to do with it not being sold in places that sell alcohol or tobacco. I thought that was a weird thing to complain about, right? Like we're complaining that when you go to a weed store, it won't be a place you can also get alcohol or tobacco. Well, that's the case everywhere, right? Like all the medical marijuana states and all the legal states that have stores open, you can't get a six-pack and a carton along with your weed. It's a store where you can only buy weed. Now, should it be that way? Well, maybe not. Maybe we should be able to buy it at farmer's markets and herb shops and the 7-Eleven. But that will get there, right? (laughs) Like. I don't see. It's like some people have no compromise in them, right? They want to be at the end point of perfect freedom right now. I was like, "Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get to the point where you can smoke weed at a bar, and the point where you can have, you know, buy it at a farmer's market and so forth." But you know, let's make some progress, right? But no, this was the objection that it wasn't sold. That in the California adult use initiative, it couldn't be sold where alcohol or tobacco were sold because, and here's where the conspiracy thinking comes in because Justin Hartfield of weed maps specifically wants that in there so that the only places to buy pot are at pot shops so that weed maps will still stay in business. The theory being if marijuana were allowed to be sold where alcohol or tobacco was sold, then you could just get it anywhere and you wouldn't need weed maps anymore and it would go out of business. Okay. Do you immediately, like I did, figure out where the logic flaw was that in that whole line of thinking? Yeah. It, it's not whether weed is sold alongside alcohol or tobacco that determines whether weed maps is necessary. It's how many places at which marijuana can be sold. And he's trying to make that point, right? But whether alcohol or tobacco is involved isn't what limits how many places there are to buy pot. It's how many licenses the state will give out for places to buy pot. That's what creates the scarcity. And so long as there is scarcity, it doesn't matter whether weed is sold alongside alcohol, tobacco, milk, Pringles. It doesn't matter. If I'm only going to give you 10 licenses, (laughs) you're still going to need a weed maps to be able to find where those licensees are. So maybe you just didn't make that clear enough that it it can't just be restricting it from being sold where alcohol and tobacco is sold. Now, if you want to make the argument that Hartfield argued for hard caps on how many licenses there could be, then that conspiracy makes a little more sense to me. Maybe someone could explain it to me. The phone lines are open here at 971 Five three three seventy one eleven, and we welcome all points of view. And uh, I guarantee you, you will be allowed at least two in uninterrupted minutes to speak, at least two. (laughs) And if and if you're doing well, probably much more. But it's nine seven one five three three seventy one eleven. Now the other problem I've got, we'll talk about this when we come back, is when people get into reading these initiatives, and they don't understand how the construction works or they don't understand or they don't come to it with understanding of what the current law is. And so we'll talk about that here when we come back from break. Also, we got a story that's in the New York times that I want to get to. And, uh, it's called as marijuana laws, relax smokers in New York, turn bolder. Um, um, now the problem is that it didn't quite they they left a word out of the headline uh white <laughs> white smokers in New York turn boulder. We'll talk about that uh when we come back as well. Also again, phone lines open at 971-533-7111 if you want to call in. Other news also that we'll discuss here in the uh in the rest of this hour is the um, these uh, uh, recalls in Cal- in, in uh, Colorado with uh, 13 recalls in the city of Denver in the past 13 weeks. So for an entire quarter we've averaged one recall one recall.' That's like Elmer Fudd took over one recall every week for a quarter. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? We'll discuss that too.
3: Oh, I could have smoked that pot.
2: And at 4.20, too, Homer, it's 4.20 here in the Pacific Time Zone. West Coast is the best coast. I don't know what we've got here. Well, we've got it in the strong silicone bong, guaranteed not to rust, bust, crust, or, well, you know, break. <laughs> Happy 420, everyone. We're back right after this. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com. With years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NeweraCPAs.com.
1: The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
2: Get .buzz. is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as
1: .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at Get.buzz. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, And free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit.
6: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
2: Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour here at J Studios. Hope you're having a great holiday season. Reminder that we will be off on the next two weeks, starting next week, for uh, the holiday break. Uh, I celebrate Festivus for the rest of us. So we'll get out the uh, Festivus pole and, of course, compete in the feats of strength. After the airing of the grievances, of course. We got all sorts of uh, great stuff coming up for you on CannabisRadio.com. We're signed up now. Uh, We have signed a contract where uh, we will be bringing you the Associated Press Cannabis Wire. And I will be reading it for you every day. This will be also a separate podcast. So if you want to subscribe to just the uh, Cannabis Radio News, you'll be able to do so. Also good news, the iTunes podcast feed is now up for the Russ Belville show under CannabisRadio.com. And I posted the link in my Twitter feed at Radical Russ just a couple hours ago. She so should be able to find it there. So I had a programming error there I had to fix. But uh, so uh, we were just talking about stoners against legalization. And the other thing that I wanted to get to is how sometimes when sometimes when people oppose these measures, they'll see something in the measure. They'll be reading the initiative and they'll see a line and they'll go, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing that. Those assholes. Oh, my God, this must be opposed. And so I had this fella in my Facebook page responding to Nevada's initiative, and he says, Nevada's initiative makes it a Class E felony to make extracts, including bubble hash, and it goes downhill from there. Regulate cannabis like cotton. (laughs) Okay. Um, And here's the problem it's already a Class E felony to make extracts, including bubble hash. (laughs) <laughs> I, that's the thing, right? And I, I said that to him. He says, no, no, the Nevada medical regs didn't say that. It's in the 2016 legalization initiative. And I'm like, no, dude, Nevada's criminal laws now, already, before medical even existed. And after it was passed, make the manufacture of hashish a Class e-felony. It's, it's in their laws. Anytime you want to know what a state marijuana law is, go to normal.org slash laws slash two-letter abbreviation for that state. So in this case, normal.org slash laws slash NV for Nevada, and you'll find that in their law, marijuana is treated, or hashish, I should say, hash, concentrates, extracts, is treated like marijuana. All concentrates are treated like marijuana under the law, and the manufacture of marijuana or the cultivation of marijuana is a class E felony. So the manufacturer of hashish or concentrates is a class E felony already. See, the reason sometimes these initiatives have to put that in the initiative is because in some other place in the initiative, they say that marijuana is legal. And so if you just left it as marijuana is legal, then people could say, oh, or, or sometimes it'll say this section or this chapter is amended. This particular chapter is struck and this new chapter replaces it, right? So like the chapter that was struck was the chapter that had Um, Among a lot of things, the part where making hash was illegal, right? And so you replace it with this new chapter. So if you're only trying to legalize X, Y, and Z, and you're not trying to legalize making hash, you've got to put that part back in the law because you struck the whole other chapter. That can be a way that that happens sometimes. So sometimes what's happening when you find something that you object to in a legalization initiative, stop and ask yourself, is that the law now? Like, is this making it any worse? No, it's not, because that's already a classy felony. There is something in the Sean Parker initiative that makes something worse. There's no doubt about it. There is no open container law in California law right now. There is a possession uh, infraction in California law. So right now, if you're the guy possessing weed in the passenger seat and the cop finds out, you can get a $100 possession ticket. Once this Sean Parker legalization happens, in that same scenario, your possession of weed is legal, but if it's in an open container, it's a $250 ticket. So you go from a situation from where possession of weed in any kind of container, open or closed, gets you a $100 ticket to a situation where possession of Marijuana in an open container gets you a $250 ticket. So get a closed container and put it in the trunk. <laughs> okay? It, the idea that you could look at legalization, you could look at, hey, we're going to have pot lounges, we're going to have pot shops, we're going to have legal indoor home cultivation that cannot be banned by a locality. Outdoor can, under this Sean Parker thing, outdoor cultivation can be banned but not indoor. Your indoor right to cultivate six plants cannot be abridged. That's going to help a lot of medical marijuana patients in places where they've banned that uh, cultivation. Although I think the Fresno case recently, they said they couldn't do that. But regardless, we're opening up a right to people that wouldn't have it opening up pot shops. We're opening up uh, uh, pot lounges possibly and granting people a right to possess, not just, Uh, Marijuana, but also concentrate, eight grams of concentrate. And you'd throw that away and maintain prohibition because the slim, tiny possibility that you get busted for possessing an open container in a car as a passenger goes from a $100 ticket to a $250 ticket. That I can't get my mind around. So. Basically, the uh, uh, summary there is check what the law is first before you complain about what the initiative is going to do. Does it make things worse than what we already have? Now, a hang up in California on that respect is that the medical marijuana law there is so loose that it's very easy for some folks to look at it and go, well, gee, all I got to do is go go spend some money at the pot doc and get my recommendation and Then I'm golden, man. I got places to shop. I don't get busted for possession. I can grow. Why would I want to mess with that? And so, folks, this is why I am so nervous about California. I really am. I can envision a scenario in which California legalization in 2016 loses. I can really easy envision that scenario. Very easily. Part of the scenario would be more than one legalization makes the ballot both Sean Parker and let's say MCLR to make the ballot. And then all the diehards who want the true pot legalization recognize the mathematical reality that if there are two initiatives on the ballot, given the general electorate, they are going to vote for the more restrictive of the two. Okay. The people who hate pot are going to vote against both of them. Always. They're just going to it's legalization. They're going to vote against it. But those middle ground people who think that, yeah, pot shouldn't be illegal, but I don't want to see, you know, rampant pot use, right? Those middle ground people, given two options, are going to pick the more conservative of the two. So mathematically speaking, game theory wise, if you want the more liberal of the two to pass, you have to vote for it and you have to vote against the other. I'm not recommending that. I recommend people vote for all legalizations that make the ballot. But if two make the ballot, there will be a respectable chunk of the marijuana community who, through game theory, will will have to vote against Sean Parker and vote for theirs. So add to the already existing no votes for legalization that are going to exist To counteract the conservative folks are going to pick the more conservative Sean Parker. They have to vote against the more conservative Sean Parker and for the MCLR to hopefully balance it out. And maybe that ends us up at a point where both of these initiatives get something like forty nine percent. Can you imagine? I can. I can imagine that where the pro pot vote ends up getting significantly shifted to the more liberal initiative in such a way that. Had there just been one initiative, it would have passed. But had there been two, it split the vote enough that they both end up at 49. I can imagine that. And imagine that that comes along with bad news coming out of legalization states. We don't know what could happen, right? And what effect that could have on people. So that could change a whole lot about the politics of this in just a year. You don't know. And, and I know that the other side, the, the Kevin Sabets and the drug czars are going to be marshalling all of their resources and forces to try to forestall legalization in California because they know when if California passes, it's all over. It's all over for them. So I can envision a scenario where California loses and I can envision a scenario where Nevada loses I don't think Nevada is that much of a slam dunk, right? I, I think Nevada you know, going to be tough as it is. People think of Nevada as like whores and gambling and, you know, it's, you know, Sin City and all. But really, Nevada, aside from Las Vegas, Nevada is a lot like Idaho. It's hunters, ranchers. It's very conservative, very religious, you know, folks. And as the pro pot community starts to get word that. There's a 25-mile halo in the Nevada initiative that forbids home growing within 25 miles of a pot shop. When they find out that public toking is a misdemeanor with like a $600 fine, there is another place where legalization could lose in 2016. Arizona? Arizona only passed medical by 0.13%. 50.13%. So a 0.26%, a quarter of a point difference. That was medical, real popular medical. So could Arizona fall? I mean, I, I, I worry about these things, man. I, I sit up worrying about this stuff because bad news, a moral panic can change the political landscape in a hurry. Let me give you an example. This is a story that's going to resonate um, this is out of the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Now, y'all know about SEC football, right? Southeastern Conference. If you're not a, a football fan, an NCAA fan, the SEC is the marquee league. It's the one that's the big uh, CBS sports contract, and it's where the big, a lot of the national champions, almost all of the national champions recently have come from. So, Robert Kendici is a star football player. Ole Miss and in Buckhead, Georgia, little suburb of Atlanta, he was Saturday night. He went out on the ledge and fell 15 feet onto the concrete, had to go to the hospital for stitches and then to jail. So the Camdiche, who's uh, guaranteed to go in the NFL, right? Uh, was charged with possession of less than an ounce of marijuana following an incident at the Grand Hyatt Atlanta on Peachtree Street. Which one? Uh, they found approximately seven rolled marijuana cigarettes in his fourth floor room where they believe the six-foot-four, 296-pound defensive tackle broke a window before crawling out and one way or another winded up wound up bleeding on the ground. What is it about, what strain is it? that causes these young men with African names to want to leap out of hotels. What is the hell is going on here? But uh, nobody seems to understand what happened, how he got over two ledges and then onto the ground. Uh, They were blunts. The room was in complete disarray. Uh, Booked on the misdemeanor marijuana charge. He's the nations. He was the nation's number one recruit out of high school and widely projected to be the top pick of the 2016 NFL draft if he skips his senior year (sighs) my goodness and so stories like this right stories like this start to pile up about people behaving crazily erratically and dangerously and marijuana's involved it's not gonna be easy for us folks this is a big 11 months we're about to embark on. We'll be here every weekday for you, 3 p.m. Pacific on CannabisRadio.com. One more break in the last segment coming up.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. You
2: know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs, we've got Frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs, we've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at HerbAgeDesigns.com and follow HerbAge and Herb Thrasher on Twitter. Welcome back, everybody. In the uh, final segment here, I wanted to, I guess we got more than two se- Well, Whatever. We'll just keep going. Stoner Jesus isn't on at the top of the hour, so we can go all the way to the top of the hour today. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And I had teased this story earlier. And I wanted to make sure that we got to it. It's in the New York Times. And it says, as marijuana laws relax, smokers in New York turn bolder. And um, the first paragraph, it wafts down the pavement. An unmistakable stench more hate Ashbury than New York. The tang of marijuana smoke in the city's streets. If the smell... And the lightheadedness a passerby may feel is anything to judge by lighting up and strolling around seems increasingly common in pockets of Brooklyn, on side streets in Manhattan and in other public places. Now, (laughs) first of all, the very first thing you see in this story is a windowpane picture, you know, four pictures of people smoking pot on the streets of New York. Let me let me describe them for you. White dude, white dude, white dude, white lady. And uh, the locations? Williamsburg, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Tompkins Square Park, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and Washington Square Park. Just openly talking. Uh, We got any pictures from Harlem? (laughs) Got any pictures from Harlem any chance, right? (laughs) No, nothing... Nothing around 110th Street? Okay, yeah. See, this is the problem with this story is it talks about how street smokers are emboldened because places, you know, in the West have legalized marijuana and the cops are low-key on it and they, and they don't care. All this story is finding out is something we've already known, is that weed is somewhat legal for white folks. See, they... they But I I do have to take exception with the part about the lightheadedness a passerby may feel. There is no, you're not going to get high off smelling secondhand smoke in the street. It's not going to happen. But uh, throughout the rest of this, uh, you know, it spoke about the uh, police commissioner, Bratton, how he ran into a young woman smoking marijuana in the financial district on Wall Street, 830 in the morning. Uh Uh-huh. And didn't bust her, though. Exactly. Um, The arrests have fallen in New York. 26,000 people were arrested for criminal possession of marijuana in the fifth degree, which is openly burning a joint and possessing more than 25 grams. Uh, They've ended the stop and frisk policy, may have contributed to the drop. But uh, on the message boards, people note that the scent can peak in parts of Brooklyn as the morning commute gears up, with smokers taking drags between sips of coffee. In the spring, Fox News broadcast a report noting the stench on the jogging paths of Carl Schurz Park on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, right next to Gracie Mansion, the mayoral residence. Outside Italy, the sprawling Italian marketplace in the Flatiron District, the smell from a joint on a recent weekday battled the aroma of espresso beans. So, the other part I have to take exception with is characterizing it as stench. It's a smell. Urine in New York City is a stench. Garbage in New York City is a stench. See, these mainstream media outlets like the New York Times don't recognize it, but they're still in that they're still in that state. They're still in that area They're in that era where they don't recognize the bigotry of their language. And it's our job to have to educate them on this. And to their credit, Drug Policy Alliance has already done a fantastic project where they came up with new stock photos and video of people using cannabis. So it wasn't always that same picture of the dude with the dirty fingernails and the scraggly goatee smoking the brown raggedy joint. How many times have you seen that same dude on CNN or Fox News or any of those stories as the B-roll while they're talking about weed? You know the guy I'm talking about. Could be white, could be Mexican. You don't know, right? <laughs> you just see him from like the nose down, smoking the joint. You know the shot I'm talking about. So they've done a great job with that. They've 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 come up with some new public service uh, B-roll and photos that can be used. But the next stage, I think, in our media uh, education needs to be a style guide, a style guide. Now, this is this was done by the gay rights movement. It used to be that newspapers would write about homosexuals, homosexuals. They don't anymore. They write about gays and lesbians. Right. They used to write about transsexuals. They were educated to understand that, no, you're writing about transgender people. They're not transgendered, they're transgender, right? All these little, and some people would say, ah, it's just, you know, nitpicking or whatever, but no, it, it can make a difference in people's perceptions. Now, this is the argument, this is where the argument comes up. And people say, well, then they should have to say cannabis instead of marijuana. That's the one place I'll make a little exception. I'll make an exception on that because far more people know what marijuana is, it searches much higher, and in certain contexts, marijuana is the more accurate term. That's right. Cannabis refers to the entire plant. Marijuana refers to the dried buds prepared for smoking. A more even more precise term than marijuana is since Amelia, is marijuana without seeds. But marijuana is flour, what we intend to smoke. Right. So there's some places where saying marijuana makes more sense. I smoke marijuana. I smoke cannabis is you can say that, but it's like saying I eat cow. Right? No, you tend to eat a steak. Although, if you're eating a steak, technically, you are eating cow. It just doesn't kind of work. You know? Uh, in the frame, the same way. Also, if you're talking about the laws, the laws are actually marijuana laws in most places. And in some places, marijuana with an H. So, you are changing marijuana laws. You're reforming marijuana laws. Those marijuana laws ban cannabis. Also, Cannabis is so broad that it also includes hemp, right? Uh, Joy Beckerman-Marr does a great presentation where she talks about how cannabis is the whole plant, marijuana is the psychoactive one, hemp is the industrial one. And I, I think that's cool as far as understanding goes. But in general, we need to have like a style guide for the mainstream media so that they understand that saying stench of marijuana is a pejorative term presumes that that is a smell that is objectively offensive to most, if not all people. And it's something here in Oregon that our courts have actually addressed. We actually had this case that came up and it was just recently where it was ruled that marijuana was not an objectively offensive odor, like the smell of garbage or rotting flesh that some people actually like the smell of marijuana. So New York times it's, inaccurate to say the stench of marijuana because stench is a term that comes with a negative connotation. The odor of marijuana. Okay. The smell of marijuana, the scent of marijuana. There's a lot of other words you can use. And it's those subtle ways of framing things that can change or or set the tone for a story or how people interpret a story. There's a lot more we could talk about in that respect. I'm going to take a short break, get some stuff in order here, and we'll come back for our final segment. We'll take it to the top of the hour here. Stay tuned.
7: It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com.
1: You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Welcome back, Tokers and Tokets. Final segment here on a Monday. Thanks for joining us. I'm Radical Russ Belville. Coming to you live from beautiful, legal, wet, soggy Portland, Oregon, where the uh, weather forecast for the next four months is gray with a continuing chance of wet. Highs and lows near 45 degrees, plus or minus 7 degrees on either side, with occasional wind and shittiness. (laughs) I'm serious, folks. We are socked in till April. Every now and then we get to see this strange glowing disc in the sky, but for the most part, gray, wet. And it's funny because the rents have been rising in Portland. We've had all these Californians and, and other people come into the state, come into Portland specifically and go, you know, they come in like June or July and they... They go to the waterfront and they go to the food carts and they they go to the Rose Garden. They go all all these great places like, oh, what a beautiful place. And oh, my goodness, it's uh, the cost of living so low. Let's all move here. (laughs) And they get all moved in by September, October and douche (laughs) flood them out. (laughs) Literally, we got streets that are flooded here. We got places you cannot drive right now because it's all flooded. Sinkholes opening up, mudslides covering the roads. These Californians and other folks like shit. (laughs) That's funny as hell to me. Anyway, let's talk about marijuana. That's what we do here on the Russ Belville show. And good news coming out of the state of Kentucky. Kentucky senator who spoke at the Mensa gathering. So must be a smart guy. Kentucky senator files the Cannabis Freedom Act which would legalize medical and recreational marijuana in one fell swoop. Folks, one of these days, some state's going to do that. It's finally going to happen somewhere. Somebody's just going to go, look, why stop at this medical thing? Let's just legalize it for everybody. That takes care of the medical people. And we don't have to spend money locking up potheads anymore. And that's what he's done. He's uh, filed this Cannabis Freedom Act. And here's how it would go. Uh, 21 and over, possess an ounce, cultivate up to five plants. What?
3: Five plants? That's not enough. That's not true legalization.
2: (laughs) Yes, five plants. (sighs) Store an excess of cultivated cannabis for personal use where it was cultivated. In other words, you can possess the result of your harvest. You can give an ounce to another person over 21. And if you're a person under 21, you can possess cannabis if recommended by a licensed physician. So what this is basically saying is medical marijuana will exist for minors only, for people under 21 only. There'd be no need to go get a recommendation from your doctor if you're an adult. Now, it would be nice if there was an adult medical program where the adults could possess more than an ounce and grow more than five plants. That would be an improvement. But, hey, we're talking about Kentucky, folks, (laughs) Uh, and no smoking cannabis in public places. So it doesn't look like they'd be having any sort of um, uh, any sort of pot lounges there in Kentucky. And uh, the the senator, Perry Clark, said, quote, it is abundantly clear to me that cannabis, while being much less harmful, should be treated the same as alcohol. The Cannabis Freedom Act is an outline on how to tax and regulate the sale of marijuana to adults 21 and older in Kentucky. It is time for this discussion in our Commonwealth. Now, another interesting part of this is they'll have a three-tier licensing system. They'll have cultivators, processors, and retailers, but no vertical integration. So it'll be like the alcohol model. You know how in alcohol, there's not an alcohol industry, really. There's three alcohol industries. There's the producers of alcohol, the distillers and the brewers, right? the vintners of wine, right? Then you got your distributors of alcohol and then you got your retailers of alcohol because the way alcohol was set up in most places is they can't be vertically integrated. Now, there are exceptions in places like here in Oregon where we have uh, micro brewers, right, who brew their own beer and have their own uh, uh, shops, you know, their own brew pubs, right? So there, there's... Certain exceptions, right? But generally speaking, there's three alcohol industries. That's what there'd be in Kentucky. There'd be Kentucky growers, Kentucky wholesalers, and Kentucky retailers. Great. Do it. Let's go. I just want to see some state finally pass. And this is a a bill. This isn't an initiative, folks. But I want to see some state pass straight to recreational marijuana. It's got to happen. Good luck for Kentucky on making that happen. Also in the news, comedian Margaret Cho... Uh, is starring in a new comedy for Amazon called Highland. And it stars Cho, who after court-ordered rehab, has to move in with her dysfunctional family that run a pot dispensary. So this will be on Amazon. Uh, we're starting to see that now, too, these original series that come out only on Amazon, only on Netflix. So good luck to Margaret Cho on that. Uh, anytime we've got more pot shows, the better. I'm all for that. And then also a shout out to uh, Christopher Ingraham. I got to meet him at the uh, International Drug Policy Conference uh, in uh, Virginia. And his latest on the Wonk blog, courts are forcing marijuana users to get drug treatment they probably don't need. And, uh, you know, he's picking up on the TEDS-A data that uh, Tom Angel has been going over and I've been going over on marijuana politics, and he points out that. Marijuana users, more than any other drug users, are forced into rehab by the criminal justice system. And he created a nice little graph here, a little bar graph showing that over 50, it's like 53%, 52% of marijuana users are forced into uh, treatment by the criminal justice system. And points out how low that is when you get down to cocaine, sedatives, and heroin. You know, in heroin, it's down to like, you know, only 17% of the heroin users are ch- are forced there by the criminal justice system. Most of them are going there because they recognize they've got a problem. And the problem with this too is that 40% of the people seeking treatment had to wait a day or more to get to treatment. And 15% faced a wait of a week or more. And the way, when you, when you work out the numbers it shows that about one out of 10 beds in drug treatment facilities are occupied by someone forced there for marijuana that probably don't have any sort of addiction problem. And as we've pointed out, 37% of them didn't even smoke pot for a month before they went to rehab. Another 16 or 17% didn't smoke pot for a whole or didn't even smoke pot once a week before they went to rehab. So one out of 10 beds Taken up by us, the pot smoker who got caught. When fifteen percent of the people who need treatment for hard drugs have to wait a week or more, maybe they should get caught smoking pot. Maybe if if people want drug treatment, what what they ought to do is get themselves a baggie of weed, walk up to a cop and hold up the baggie of weed. Then the cop will bust you, send you to a drug court, and then the drug court will say you will force you to go into rehab and you can have that bed to get over your heroin addiction. Maybe that's the way it works. Only 9% of the people who try marijuana ever become dependent on it. 9%. One out of 11. The lowest rate of dependence for any drug that's considered habit-forming. It's the same rate as caffeine, 9%. And what I mean by not considered habit forming, like if you look at the um, dependency rates for things like mushrooms or LSD, they don't really, they're statistically insignificant, right? People don't get addicted to LSD. It's not the kind of thing you get addicted to. Let's just put it that way, right? So um, most people don't have a problem with marijuana. And if one out of 10 of our treatment beds are taken by someone who's just forced there because of marijuana prohibition, We are doing a criminal disservice to the health care of people with serious addiction problems that cost us all in the long run, that cost us in crime and social services and emergency room treatment and all of that. And that's just one of the many reasons we're here every weekday at 3 p.m. on CannabisRadio.com, bringing you the latest news, the latest interviews, the latest analysis, data and opinion by, for, and about the cannabis community. It's the Russ Belville Show, and I'm Russ Belville. Thanks for being here. That sound means we are out of time. It's up against the top of the hour here, so thanks for joining us. Coming up on the rest of the week, we got some great guests. Like I said, we're going to be covering all the rest of the legalization initiatives. Tomorrow, we're talking about Vermont legalization. On Thursday, we've got Nick Novello from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and on Friday, Mason Tavert from the Marijuana Policy Project discussing four state legalizations for 2016. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers!
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
4: You take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seat, you plant
6: it, you grow
4: it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, it and it goes down smooth.